Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Well, all right there. This is uh, Dr. Fuck, uh, uh, and with me is... Ian Wadley, that alcoholic cracking the beers, and we're here this week to, you know, we're going to play a, a, an episode we did like a week or two ago that we weren't supposed to air this week, but uh, we did an episode last week to air this week, and we decided not to put it up, and uh, Ian will tell you why that is. Go ahead, Ian. All right. Um, this episode was so vile, so disgusting, so mean. Um, that we couldn't air it. And we kind of took the high road. You know, we blamed it on me being too drunk, being too abusive, you know, Dr. Fuck, you know, going for the fucking throat. But you know what? I'm tired of sugarcoating shit. Let's get to the brass text. The reason we can't air this episode is because of Terrence. And, and his vile rants, oh my God. It was so anti-Semitic. He went off on the Jews you know, blame the Jews for the downfall of Metallica. Uh, he said, oh, fuck them. And that album they made with Jew Reed. Said he wouldn't buy the Black Album because it was called the Black Album. Uh, I mean, it was just terrible. And, and then he finally revealed what a lot of people suspected for years. He doesn't even have autism. But he says he does have this infliction where he cannot work with minorities. <laughs> so he said he had autism. Just so he can collect a check and stay at home and not have to mix with, you know, non-white people. And, and, man, I, you know, you don't need to listen to that shit. It's fucking horrible. Everybody hates him anyway. Uh, That episode will never be heard. I mean, it is so bad. Uh, And we love our fans, so you don't need to hear that shit. What you do need to hear is this awesome episode we did record on uh, Skid Row's Subhuman Race. A great episode coming up after... We get to the news. Wait, are you going to end with the Terrence thing there? Are we going to go into the news now? Yeah, yeah, unless you have anything to say <laughs> oh, about that vile son of a bitch. Come on, man. Terrence didn't do all that. What? You know, if he did, you know we would have aired it in a heartbeat. Yeah, Terrence is going to uh, do it. Maybe, maybe blame it on the... Maybe you didn't hear the episode I heard. Nah, I know, because you were really drunk. You were listening to something from I don't know. I heard a lot of vile shit. That's maybe that was me. Yeah, you were hearing. Trust me. He wasn't. Actually, he was so quiet. And you were mumbling through the reviews that, you know, the we it was, it was overkill taking over. And Ian was so polluted that, you know, I mean, he was attacking Terrence as well as I was. We were both relentlessly attacking him. But then when it came to reviewing the album, Ian was so hammered that he didn't even know what he was saying. And so we figured, hey, man, let's our listeners want to hear a review properly. So we're going to redo Taking Over, just me and Ian, in the future. And uh, as far as the Terrence episode, it's going to be the real... Uh, the rock and metal combat elusive episode that nobody will ever hear and trust never, me never ever and it's so vile I'm telling you even for us that we have the lowest standards I mean look at who raised us look at our moms our whores and we oh my oh my god this episode made Caligula look like fucking a Disney movie it was terrible, terrible. exactly you know 
Um, it was it was real so bad. But anyway, enough of that. Uh, so what's in the news this week, Ian? Oh my God, there's so much, stuff, and we didn't get to do the news and but a lot of shit going on. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about something D. Snyder had to say. I wanted to talk then, about this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This this was came out right before AJ's uh, Piro's passing, which we talked about in the previous episode. But uh, he was talking about what a disgrace it is to the fans, you know, an insult about uh, Ace uh, Ace and Peter being portrayed by imposters. And uh, Ralph, why don't you talk a little bit about what he said and what your feelings on this? He basically said exactly what I've been saying all along, except for the part where he said it's ripping off the fans. I mean, I don't really believe that because you either... I mean, come on. You don't have to pay to see it. So, But... But uh, he took it a different way, like, you know, it's an insult to the fans. But then he also brought up how they went disco. See, he's been, uh, Dee Snyder's been bashing Kiss because of that disco thing for years. But he made sense as far as, like, you know, it's a disgrace how these two people are in the makeup. And I know a lot of people online uh, don't mind Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer being in that, in that classic makeup. But I do, I mean, because I am, you know, an Ace Freely fan, and I feel like, it's disgraceful to have the, this this guy who basically um, he's not he, he was in black and blue and I, I I dig back black and blue but you know I don't care who I don't give a fuck if it's you know I don't know Frank Marino or guitar players that I love in Ace Freely makeup nobody should wear that makeup but Ace nobody should wear that makeup but Peter but I said this on blue in the face but some people support it and some people are fine. And people are like, and some people even like, like support Ace uh, Paul Stanley's dying voice, where he's croaking through through shows. I don't get it myself. To me, it's like, you know, Paul said on the farewell tour press junket, um, "Oh, we better, we gotta leave till you know it's uh, till we're out, you know, till we're no welcome, no more welcome to the party." Well, geez, I mean, yeah, we're gonna leave while we're on top. Well, damn, you were great back then. Your voice was great. But now your voice is shut. I mean, if there's any time to, to stop Kiss, it's now. And here's another thing. And I'm telling you, my prediction is real. Everybody thinks that Kiss is going to go on with somebody else in Paul Stanley makeup and Gene Simmons makeup. Bullshit. It'll never happen. The only reason that Paul and Gene say this shit is to justify why uh, Tommy and Eric are in the classic makeup. Paul Stanley will not allow anybody to wear his makeup. Because if he did, it was time for him to bow out now. But you know why he won't do it? Because he knows, Gene knows, and anybody with a fucking brain knows that nobody will support Kiss without Gene or Paul. Period. It's just the way it is, man. So they say this shit like, oh yeah, Kiss is going to go on after us. No, it won't. Mark my words, because if there ever was a better time to do it, it's now. What do you think, Ian? Uh... Yeah, you fucking give it up. It, it doesn't insult me that Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer and Kiss. Because, I mean, brass text here. Ace quit again. Yeah. Okay. And Peter Chris cannot play drums. He can't. Okay, those are those are facts. Um, but change the fucking makeup. I, for one, I thought Vinnie Vincent's makeup was awesome. I thought Eric Carr sucked, even though I love Eric Carr. What? I, I, loved makeup, his, I loved his makeup. 
Hey, hey, I mean no disrespect to Eric Carr. I love it. I just, I never liked the, the Fox I thought, makeup. I thought, I thought the Fox makeup was the perfect uh, 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 makeup to follow Peter Chris. You know, you have the cat. And the yeah. Fox is kind of, Yeah, and, you know, and, 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 and that's what I didn't like about it. That's what I didn't okay, like about right, it. Right. You know, it, it, it just, oh, he's an animal sign. I liked the onk because it was different. I thought it looked great. Uh, but, you know, I would love to... I, I have no problem with other makeup. Here's the problem. It all comes down to money. It all comes down to marketing. People want to buy t-shirts, posters, and blah, blah, blah with the classic fucking faces on it. You know, because I think the people that go see Kiss anymore aren't the hardcore Kiss fans. I think they're like wannabe Kiss fans that just like never seen them. Like, oh, I won't check out that Kiss band. And and some of them might not know that there's different members because they're not... They don't even follow that closely. There are also, but, uh, well, Aaron, there are, there's also a large portion of people that go see Kiss that they want their kids to see Kiss. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is it, it all comes down to fucking money. It all comes down to fucking money and marketing and stuff like that. Because, you know, a, 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 shirt, a T-shirt with the classic four faces is going to sell more than a shirt with new faces on it. And then the bottom line, it's all about money. That's all it's ever been about with Kiss. I love their music, but to them, it's all about fucking money. It's all about money. If people didn't give a fuck, if new shirts with new faces would sell, they would have done new makeup and say, hey, that's them. We don't even want them anymore. But the bottom line is the classic shit is what sells. I'm glad that Tom, I'm glad that Tommy Thayer plays Kiss songs sounding like Ace Frehley because that's how I want to hear him. The disgrace is him wearing Ace's makeup. And and the same thing with Eric Singer. I mean, I love Eric Singer. I love Eric Singer. Great fucking drummer. Great drummer. Probably the most talented drummer. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, Eric Carr. I love Eric Carr too. But overall, Eric Singer is fucking incredible. But I don't like seeing him in Peter's makeup. I don't like seeing Tommy Thayer in Ace's makeup. I've seen him once with this lineup. And it was for free, and I won't pay to go see it again. And I'm a, I, you know, I'm a huge Kiss nut swinger, but I admit when they fuck up. Hello, elder fans. I admit when they do something wrong. Okay, and 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 this is wrong, and I won't pay for it. I still have all the great memories. I've I've seen them countless fucking times. I have, dude. I have spent thousands of dollars on Kiss shit. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you always bash Kiss. I've spent thousands. Of dollars on Kiss, I've got history. I got in a, in a very high number too. You know, I've been to the fucking convention. I've seen you know more than any other band. But I mean, let's call a fucking spade a spade. It's all about money at this point, you know. And and, and that's all the makeup shit is, and, and it is a disgrace. But they're businessmen, you know. And, and I, I don't watch their stupid reality shows. And, you know, I don't watch this stupid arena football shit. I mean, it, it, I, I I give up. I give up. I put on the old records when I want to hear Kiss. I watch videos when I want to see Kiss. You know, my opinion. Well, I also want to add that I saw Kiss. The very first time I ever saw Kiss was Creatures of the Night when they were out there all-time low. And I saw them at a place called the West Palm Beach Auditorium, which was not that packed. But I also want to add that I saw Kiss on the Monster Tour not co-headlining with anyone with basically, I would say, even a little less than when I saw them on Creature of the Night, which is to show KISS is really at an all-time low as far as concert attendance because the only way they can play shows now is 
co-headlining with a bigger act like Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Aerosmith, because on their own, they're at the Creatures of the Night level they were back in 1982. But that's something that you won't hear. But let me tell you something. I was there. I saw it myself. It was low attendance. If Kiss was to go out there and tour on their own, they would bomb, just like they did in 1982. So this whole thing with the makeup makes no sense to me. Even if they took off the makeup, I think they'd get the same attendance. It's just not working. That's all I'm saying about it. Anyway, anything Uh, else? Any other news? Next story. Next story. Here we go. This is another one that, oh, God, fucking is gut-wrenching. It was announced by none other than Sharon Osbourne that Black Sabbath is to play their final show ever in Japan this November as part of a Japanese two-day Ozfest because nobody gives a fuck about Ozfest anymore and they're going to do just a two-day thing in Japan. Uh, But they're saying it's going to be the final performance and I've already heard reports that it will not include Bill Ward because there's still an... an, uh, you know, you know, a contract offer that he will not agree to. Well, I'm glad. And, and, I'm glad. End it already. Without Bill Ward, end it. Do your last show and stop. That's my favorite right. band. You know, enough. Right, but but I I, I get what you're saying, but uh, do you really want the last Black Sabbath concert of all time to end with Tommy Clafusto or whatever the fuck no. his name is? No, I don't, but I have no choice, so just stop. Just end it. Fuck it. Right. And do it. Do it in Japan. <laughs> You, you know, but and I also think that's you know, I mean, hey, if you live in Japan, awesome, you know, and also if you live in Japan, why don't you listen to our fucking podcast? We don't have a lot of listeners in Japan, and uh, you know, don't give me that. Oh, I don't speak American shit. Everybody speaks American, but anyway, um, you know, that that's just what a, what a what a way to go out with a fucking whimper. I hope they do another studio album. I really do. I hope they bring Bill back, but, uh, that's you know... The only, that's the only way I would want another studio album. Yeah, I also hope I win the fucking lottery, you know, so... You know, I got a lot of fucking Look, hopes I, and dreams, you know, but... I hate to say this, but it seems to me, if you read between the lines, and I hate to say this, and I hope I'm 100% tr- of, of wrong, Tony Iommi, I don't think, has much long to live. I don't know. That there's been these little reports and that little interview. You said, "Hey, I can die next year. I can die ten years from now." I don't know. That sounds a little grim to me. You know. I I, I think that could be a lot to do with it. Uh, it, it. You know, for making that kind of announcement. Still, I think it's so horrible to hear out of fucking Sharon's cunt mouth. I would have rather heard you know somebody from the band say something. But God damn it, if it's the end, please come on. The four of them. The four of them, man. You know? I, agree. I agree, but it's not going to happen. Jesus so. Christ. You know, but, uh, and I've been, you know, I, you know what? 13 has disgusted me so much that it's gotten to the point where, hey, man, you know, if you don't make another album with Bill Ward, I don't give a goddamn if you play their last show with or without Bill Ward because you're ending your legacy with a crap album that doesn't have Bill Ward. I'm sorry. It, it See, ruins the I, legacy to me. I, 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 don't, I don't hate 13 as much as you. I hate, I hate the... I, I hate the drumming on it, and, and and I love the drummer who did it, but I just don't like the safe, rudimentary drumming on it. That's what kills me, you know. Uh, I, I agree. I, I agree. There's some, but so, there's some songs that could have been saved by the good drumming, but then there's some songs on there that it's just like, hey, let's redo the song Black Sabbath. You know. But then again, you know why? Why did they fucking you know? And and some of this has to come on Tony Iommi. God damn it. 
Because I believe it was him who wanted the drum machine on one of those shitty fucking songs they did on the reunion. Yeah, they Sell did those two studio tracks. Sell. Yeah, both of those songs suck dick. No, I love okay. I love Psycho Man, and that one features Bill Ward. Oh my god, that was horrible. I love uh, that scary, song. Scary Dreams was better than that. I well, wish scary, they would have put I, I that. Liked, I like Scary Dreams. That's another. Yeah, good yeah, song. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was way, both those songs. Th- those songs on reunion sounded like horrible. Uh, Ozzy solo shit. Right. I, I thought I, I thought I thought they were absolutely horrible soulless songs, you know. And it and it sucks, you know. Like I I think about all the songs that are on the Tony the Iomi album where he had all the different singers. That could have been one of the best fucking Black Sabbath albums ever, because I, I I think that's the last time Tony Iommi came up with some like, actually, like every song. Actually, no. Did you hear? No. Fuse, that Fuse thing he did with uh, Glenn Hughes. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one, too. That, I, but that came, out, I, that came out after Iomi, I believe. Okay, 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 okay. And okay, it's okay. awesome. I love that but, album. But yeah, that is a great album. But what I'm getting at, though, is musically, you know, I love the Iomi album. I know a lot of people like, I don't like this singer, I don't like that singer. Like, I'm not the biggest Billy Corgan fan, but that Billy Corgan song on Iomi, in my opinion, is a fucking masterpiece. And, and, and a lot of it has to do with Iomi. But he sounds way more alive on there than, to me, he did on fucking The Devil You Know. I thought that album sounded tired as fuck. He, by everybody. Everybody. Geezer, Tony, Dio. I think everybody sounded tired as fuck on that album. But that Iomi album was on fire. Artistically, in my mind, at least. But that's me. I gotta listen to that again. I do own it, and I—I I don't know, man. Yeah, you have prejudice against it. No, I understand. No, no, a I, lot of people. I gotta listen to it again. Let's just say it's something that Fuse came out like soon after, and I kind of like—I didn't really get into it that much, so I—I I can't pass judgment on on how good or bad it is. So I know I know Phil and Selmo's on it, and uh, Ozzy does a track, I believe. Yeah, and, Peter Still, Billy Idol, Henry Rollins, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, your favorite David Grohl. Oh God, uh, a lot. I, I love every song on that album. I really do. I think it's incredible. Well, I have I'll a signed give it another copy. Chance. I'll give it another chance. All right, but uh, we're going way over on the news here. We need to get into this episode. All right. So yeah, uh, before we get into this episode, I just want to say again uh, that we will redo uh, Overkill's taking over with. Uh, a, a less drunky, and he'll still be drunk, but not. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not say a less drunk, but let's say a less angry drunk. I was very angry in that episode. Let's just say he'll be coherent. Yes, drunk and coherent. And I also <laughs> want to say that I want to thank Terrence. He was actually a good sport about the whole thing. We really were relentless against him, and listen back on it, it really made me feel bad that we attacked him so much because he just seemed so happy to be back on the show that he was willing to take all that abuse. He answered all our questions and everything. But, we, you know, even after him answering the question, we still attacked him. And it was just, I don't know, man. Listen back on it, it was like kind of like hitting somebody while they were down. And, and it's not me, you know. Actually, even at the end of the show, I even kind of, like, complimented Terrence for sticking, sticking to it. So, Terrence, I know you're listening. Uh, I promised I'd be on your show, so you know, whenever you want me, dude, I'll be on it. Uh, Ian, do you want to be on the show? Uh, you know, like my mother always said, you're an old softy, especially after three beers. But uh, 
No. No, I'm, I'm good. You know, you know what, Terrence? Go live a good life. But that episode reminded me of why he didn't belong on here. And I think that's why I got so mean and drunk and belligerent. Because just hearing him talk, it was like nails on chalkboard. All right, let's, uh, just, let's just stop there. Okay, whatever. No, 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 no. Let me speak here. Let him do his thing. I, I don't hate the man. But, man, he does not belong on a show with you and me. You know what I'm saying? They, it's like, you know, it, it's like Janie Lane singing for Black Sabbath. You're out of your league. Nice guy, but you're out of your league. My opinion. All right, so let's get into the review. Uh, this week we're going to do a very underrated album, in my opinion. Uh, I believe it was, was it 1995? Yes. yes. 95. 1995, Subhuman Race by Skid Row. Not a lot of people are aware of this. When you think of Skid Row, you think of the first album, and more, you know more of the hard rock people think of Slave to the Grind. But by the time Subhuman Race came out, the whole climate changed. Uh, Skid Row was actually a bad word. Pretty Boys were bad words, and uh, any band that was like Skid Row, unless you were Aerosmith, would not survive the '90s, especially '95. It was just a dead art, and. Uh, Unless you were like me, that loved Slave to the Grind. I admit, I'm not the biggest fan of the first Skid Row album. It has a good few cuts, but... Um, well, well, like all our uh, reviews, let me just start off how I discovered Skid Row. Um, when I discovered Skid Row with the first album, I wasn't really into it. I thought they were just another one of those hair bands. You know, and I heard... Like I think it was like the last single. One of the last singles was "Piece of Me," and I go, "Hey, you know that's not bad for an air band. Piece of Me is a pretty cool song, you know." I like that song. Yeah, but I never, again, I never really looked into them, you know. So then, um, uh, so, but then I did, and I actually hear the album, and I remember liking a few cuts, like uh, "Tornado" or I mean, what's the la- name of the last song? Like "Strike." Yeah. Slash- that's Midnight a, Slash Tornado. That's a good tune. That was a good tune. Yeah. Uh, I liked uh, Making a Mess. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And I know there was a couple other ones. Uh, big Guns. I like that one. Yeah, yeah, that's about titties. I love Big yeah, Guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the album did have its moment, but then it had stuff like Can't Stand the Heartache. I like that song. Oh, I like that song. And, you know, and then, you know, 18 in Life, and I remember you did have some... I, I know. Larry played out, not a big fan of the song, but it did have some amazing vocals from a very young uh, Sebastian Bach. So then uh, I was like, you know what? I was a kind of a casual fan. I was like, you know, Skid Row's not as bad as, you know, Bullet Boys and whatever else was going on. Hey, I like Bullet Boys. Yeah, I know, but you like you like all that shit. Okay. But, you know, I'm, I'm talking in my world. Uh, and uh, oh. so I, I didn't really, you know, hate Skid Row that much. And then... They released a slave to the grind, and I remember seeing uh, the video for Monkey Business, and I was like, "Whoa! All right, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go buy a Skid Row because I never bought the first one; it just hurt." And I took it home and I put it on, and Monkey Business kicked it out. But then Slave to the Grind came on, and I was like, "Oh fuck that first album! This is what this band should be." And it was awesome that they um, got heavier, you know, with the uh, from. You know, it was not something bands like that would do. They didn't have a power ballad on 
Slave to the Grind. They did some ballady songs, but it was like Quicksand Jesus and Wasted Time, which is about religion and drug addiction. And, you know, they strayed away from that. And it really did kill a lot of their audience. People wanted to hear I will, uh, Remember You Part 2. But I, I became a fan. And then I went to go see them. And unfortunately, Pantera just killed them. That was like not a pretty sight, seeing Pantera destroy Skid Row Live. The first time and the only time I saw Skid Row was uh, on the Slave to the Grind tour where Pantera came out and just devoured them. Skid Row came out and they did good. I didn't think they sucked. They were great. But Skid Row, I mean, Pantera was just goddamn. It was not a pretty sight. Anyway, so then fast forward, what, five years later, four years later? For Subhuman Race, with that, they, they did have that EP in between, uh, Besides Ourselves, which was cool. I liked all the covers on there. Uh, great EP. Yeah, I thought right. they did some great songs. Uh, Delivering the Goods. Uh, uh, what You Doing What You Doing Rush. Oh, which, nice. by the, which, by the way, I have the B-side vinyl, where it's a different version of that. Really? Yeah, really? Sebastian uh, screams a lot at the end, uh, uh, where this one they took out all the screaming on Besides Ourselves. Little Wing is awesome. I love the version they do of Little Wing. And uh, yeah. what else? Psychotherapy was good. Yeah, that's a good one. But then Subhuman Race came out, and I went out and bought it. And, man, even on the first listen, I was like, holy shit, they've been influenced by Pantera. You know, it's crunchy, heavy, just kick-ass, and we are going to go into track by track right after well, Ian sells us. Yeah. His uh, history on his uh, Skid Row history. Tell us how you discovered Skid Row. Well, much like you, Ralph, um, I hated them at first. Uh, I don't know. I remember they kind of came out at the same time as Warrant, and the funny thing was, I liked Warrant and hated Skid Row. Damn, go uh, figure. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I loved Down Boys, and I hated Youth Gone Wild. Wow. Just. Yeah, I just thought Youth Gone Wild was really corny. And I know that's funny, you know, like fucking Down Boys isn't. But uh, I thought it was corny, and then 18 of Life came out, and I was like, oh, this sucks. And then I remember you came out, I was like, ah, oh, this sucks. And I remember, you know, like my Bible back then was Hit Parader, and I remember I had an issue. I think I talked about this before. I, like, drew a cartoon bubble on Sebastian, but I swore to suck. You know, because I just hated him. I hated him. He's a pretty boy. I hated their fucking ballads. And I like cock rock, but I thought yeah, I thought even this was too pussy. So I never bought the first album. And then I saw the same tour uh, you did. The show I saw, and I spoke about this before too, uh, it was uh, Pantera, Megadeth, and Skid Row. Right, yeah, that's right. That's the uh, Pavilion. Yeah, 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 Alpine Valley, Wisconsin. That's when fucking uh, Megadeth's video, they used the, the, the mosh pit for Pantera in their video. Right. That I called him on, but, but uh, yeah, I even went to that show. I was not a Skid Row fan, but where you said uh, they blew Pantera off stage—I mean, I mean, Pantera blew them off stage. I agree, Pantera stole the show, but Skid Row I thought was damn good, and they made me a fan. And it, it definitely helped that they did an awesome cover of Cold Gin, which I was, you know, such a fucking Kiss geek. I like anybody play Kiss, automatically I love you. But uh, they were much heavier live. And really, I, th- I think that's the only time I saw them as well. Uh, but really good live made me rethink. Or no, 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 I take that back. I saw them twice because then I saw them. Uh, 
No, maybe it's the second time. I, I saw him open up for Guns N' Roses. I know that. I'm the user illusions tour. Yeah, yeah. I don't then, know which then one. Then you saw him twice. Then you saw him twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember which one was first. Anyway. Uh, 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 oh, oh, the first, uh, yeah, the first I, I got, one. Uh, Slave to the Grind. The first one was GNR because uh, that's right when Slave to the Grind came out. And then Pantera joined them after they left the GNR tour. Okay. Well, maybe that's the one where they played uh, Kiss. Anyway, I'm fucking drunk. Uh, anyway, I liked them after I saw them live. Uh, and I did buy... I never bought the first album. I did buy Slave to the Grind. And uh, definitely liked that it was heavier. And, and you're absolutely right. Most bands are the complete opposite. You, you know, the, the, to play it safe... You know, a lot of, especially a lot of bands back then... Their big hit would be the second single, which would be the ballad. Yeah. So they would base the second album would be more ballad heavy, you know, and a little bit more glossy. And and kudos to them for fucking going against the fucking grind and doing that because it was it was pretty much fucking unheard of. Uh, and and slave slave the grind was uh, I mean it is it's a great album. Uh, but by the time this came out, man, I'm I'm guilty as everybody else. I. Just Skid Row was not on my fucking radar. I was listening to other shit, you know, mud, you know, heavier shit. Uh, they just they took way too long. I mean, yeah. from ninety from ninety one to ninety five. Yeah, uh, it might as well have been fucking twenty years. As much as music changed in those four years, and uh, the last thing on my radar at that point was a new fucking Skid Row record, and I didn't hear a fucking I don't remember hearing a single on the radio. I didn't see a video on MTV, so I just I knew that Skid Row put out a new record, but I didn't hear anything, and uh, it was gone the next day. And uh, I think it was like I heard the next year that you know Sebastian Bachman shit canned, and I was like, well, that's you know that's the end of them. And so I, I didn't discover this album for years, and actually today is the first time I've ever heard the album in its entirety. Wow. So my review is very yeah. I'd heard some songs that I liked, but today I listened to the whole album all the way through like three fucking times. So this is going to be a fresh review, uh, and my opinion could change. Yeah. Because I'm still new to this, but, uh, but man, I dig it. I, I, I really fucking dig it. Let, my, let's get into my, this. Yeah, well, I, I, I forgot to mention one thing. Skid Row had the most killer fucking home videos back then, too. They had two of them. One was called Osei oh, Can You Scream? And the other one was called Roadkill. Roadkill came with uh, 3D glasses where they had. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm talking before Subhuman Race because this th- these two videos came out before Subhuman Race. They're just entertaining. A- anybody out there that loves those Pantera videos, check out the Skid Row videos. It's just as wacky. A lot of uh, it's really long. They're like I think like two hours each, and it's a bunch of stuff. You know, on the road shenanigans and some live clips and some video clips and. Uh, but it, it's really funny and entertaining, and I really love that. Then, you know, when Subhuman Race came out, uh, they didn't play down here. You know, they, 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 I remember when Subhuman Race first came out, they played Orlando. And Orlando's like a four-hour drive for me. And as much as I love Skid Row, I was like, I'm not driving to Orlando because they'll be down here eventually, which I was wrong. So I regret not going to Orlando to see the human, Subhuman Race tour, but... What, was that was that a headline show? Yes, it was, but I think they were playing like some club or something, or I don't know. But I know they were playing uh, Orlando. It was early, early in the tour too. Because I remember the album just came out, and it was one of the first shows it was in Orlando, Florida. And I remember seeing that, and I was like, I would go, but 
I'm sure they'll was, come back down here. Yeah. It was probably at Janie Lane's <laughs> club oh. in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But yeah, but anyway, okay. Let's so let's go in the album. Uh, track one, first single. They made a video for it. Uh, dark video, all black and white. It's called My Enemy. Uh, heavy. I love that opening riff. Bam, down, down. Um, it's it's just I love this song. This song is a great opener. Um, I love the sound. I know Ian, you're not a big fan of Bob Rock, but I love what he did on this album and the Motley Crue album. I think I think the, the, to me that's his crowning achievement. Are these two albums as far as sonically? In my opinion, I think he fucking just did a great job. And I think the guitars, everything, bass, vocals, it's just all hit the point, man. It's very heavy, but it's very good, clean sounding, but heavy at the same time. My enemy just rules. I love the fuck out of this song. What do you think? Uh, well, I got some different notes on this album. Uh, I couldn't be wrong, but I had this listed as the third single from the album. Uh, you know what? Uh... As far as I remember, because, okay, back in the day, I used to have Spanish MTV. And because they were, they were here on Miami Beach where I lived. They broadcasted here and somehow it, it ended up on my cable system, but the rest of the United States didn't have it. And I remember My Enemy was the first video they showed on Spanish okay. MTV. So that doesn't mean it was the first single, but I figured right. it was because I never saw those other videos till, till YouTube came around. And I have no, I've never seen any videos from this album. I'm just saying in my notes, uh, uh, it was listed as the third single. Uh, I do like this song, man. Fucking heavy. To me, it's it's kind of an odd opener for the album, though. But uh, one thing I will agree with you on, I think this is the finest Bob Rock produced album ever. Well, there you go. I, there I, you I re- go. I I, re- I really do, and uh, I. There's some albums that he's done that I love, like uh, Motley Crue '94, uh, the first Blue Murder album. Uh, I mean, those are albums I love, but I'm still not so sold on the production. To me, uh, this is the best he ever did. He, he got, there's a heaviness there, and it's not spit shine. I you think know the what? heaviness I think really I, I agree on with, this. I agree with you, dude. I totally agree with you. I think this is Bob. I mean, what of what I've heard. I think this right. is Bob Rock's best sounding album. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree, and I'm very critical of him. Uh, but you know, and, and I, I knew that going into it that he did it, so I'm waiting, dude. I'm sharpening my knives. I'm like, I'm gonna nail this fucker again. And uh, dude, I've got nothing to complain about. An excellent, excellent produced uh, fucking album. Uh, uh, you but know, I, I, I still think this. Well, no, go ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I hate cutting you off. I, uh, I was just gonna say, I still think it's an odd choice for an opener, but I love it, and I love the he- the heaviness of it. It really made me happy. It's like these fuckers aren't letting up. They're they're making another great heavy fucking album, and uh, it's a good song. Well, good song. I, I got I gotta say, uh, like the odd opener, you say I, it, it is, uh, I guess it is an odd opening song, but in in the context of this album, I think this song is perfect to open the album to because it sets the tone on the rest of the album it, it pretty much represents that whole album you know in this one song aside from like the more I don't know uh, mellow songs on the album which are fucking great but uh, I think that it, it's just a good like like it's it just start to me that first note 
on my enemy, to me, just sounds like this is how this album is going to be. Yeah, you thought Slave to the Grind was heavy? This is even heavier, you know? And uh, I know, True. look, and, and what you said earlier, this is a very rare episode because me and Ian are standing on a little tiny island. This little <laughs> island where uh, it's me and Ian and maybe two or three more people that consider this Skid Row's best album. Because most everybody, it's either the first one or Slave to the Grind. But no, and I love the Slave to the Grind, don't get me wrong, but I think this one is better and has aged well because I put on Slave to the Grind now and I enjoy it. I put on Subhuman Race and I fucking love it, you know? It's still... Well, it, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I think the reason why a lot of people don't name it, I just don't think enough people have heard this. I really don't. Yeah. And, but And then there's some that have, and I've heard people say it sucks. You know who thinks this album sucks? Rachel Bowen. Oh, yeah, that, that's in my notes. Uh, you, yeah. you cut me off there. But, Sorry, but... Uh, to quote him, he said, it absolutely sucks. But also, uh, you know, he attributes a lot to a lot of bad memories. I mean, the band was breaking up, uh, and he bitches... Here's the funny thing is he bitches about... Not, not Bob Rock, per se, but he's like, we never should have left Michael Wagner. And I totally disagree, because this, this to me, is by far the best-sounding... Uh, Skid Row and, out. And, 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 but, need, and need I remind you, Ian, that Wagner guy did come back for that horrible revolution by numbers or whatever the hell that, that, that yeah. album. Did you hear that album? I have it, and, and tell you the truth, I've never listened to it. Oh, you don't want to hear it. It's so bad. It's so yeah. bad. I like yeah. the new Skid Row. Those two new EPs are really good. Yeah, see, I've got those, and I ain't even listened to them. I'm just not excited enough. To, yeah, they're you know, good. You will be pleasantly surprised. They're good. That, them without Sebastian is really. Yeah, I admit it, but you know, I'm, I, I still give it a chance, and I, I uh, like, I, I like like four or five tracks off Thick Skin. You know what? After listening to this album three times today, it, it, you know, fuck it, I'll go listen to it. I'll give him another chance because I think Rachel Bowen's in a, a hell of a songwriter. I, I really do, do too. Him and Snake are usually yeah. the two driving forces of the band. Even when Sebastian was in the band, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, Sebastian always, didn't have always much the to do with songwriting. You know? Nah, nah, he he's just he's a pretty boy with that fucking hell of a voice. Yeah, a great, great, amazing boy, and uh, really bratty and a dick. But man, when I met him, he was so fucking cool. That's we, cool. We talked cool. about Priest. He was awesome. Nice. Anyway, uh, you had anything else to add to my enemy? No, no, that's it for my enemy. All right, going to the next song. All right, the next song is. Probably, uh, probably say my second favorite on the fucking album. Wow. Okay. I I I absolutely love this song. Uh, the vocals I think are amazing, amazing. Uh, man, I I love the chorus. He always talks about carousel and shit like that. Oh my god. Uh, There's a great, great fucking song. This is one that I remember. I put this on my iPod. And, uh, you know, one of the ones that really caught my attention, this is like a long time ago. Like, what a great song. Uh, Fire Sign. Love it. I, I think this should have been a single off the album. I, th- I think this could have done something. I, I love it. What do you think? Well, you know, let me just, I mean, before I say, every song on this album rules to me. I don't think there's a bad song on this album. But believe it or not, this is my least favorite, but I love it. Wow. Like, yeah, it is my least favorite. For some reason, it feels like something's missing to me. Like, I don't know. I think it's a little rushed when going into the chorus. That's just me. But it's a good song. It's just like, I don't know. I think all the other songs 
Oh, wait, and I'm sorry, Ian, I don't have the CD in front of me, so what's the next track? The next song is Bonehead. Bonehead, I love. Uh, is that the one that says, uh, if, uh, if you're a new guy, let me see a miracle, I think? Or was that some oh. human race? I have. I always mix up that song with the title track, because they're I, both, they both have yeah. that fast, punky thing, but I think that's the one that says, if you're a new guy, let me see a miracle. I love that. If that's the song, God damn it, I should I should do my homework. Yeah. But uh, yeah, either way, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's too new for me to know lyrics. But uh, but yeah, go ahead. I think it is that one. If not, then then I love Subhuman Race. I'm giving you my Subhuman Race review during Bonehead. Okay, uh, I should have listened to it today. I didn't. I'm sorry. Uh, because I these are the two songs that are just so similar to me that I kind of like can't remember now which one's which, but. I love them both, so whatever bo- whatever Bonehead is uh, on this album, it I love it. It's one of the fast-paced ones. Uh, what do you think? Uh, nice and heavy. That's what I like about it, man. I'm like, fucking A. Uh, I'm kind of like, I mean, spoiler fucking alert. I'm like you. I, there's not really a song on here I hate. Just some I like better than others. Yeah. Uh, but there's a good vibe going through this record, man. Just good, heavy fucking rock. Yeah. You know, even, even at some of the ones that are a little bit more slower and melodic, they're still fucking heavy. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I, I really dig this song. Not much more I can add to it. Like I said, it's still new to me, but this one, uh, uh, this one is a great rocker. So then I'll go into the next one, which is Beat Yourself Blind. Oof. Uh, this one, uh, not bad. Not bad, but not my favorite. Um... Uh, I, I, I think it's, it's it's the chorus that kind of gets me on this one. Uh, that does this to me sounds a little unfinished, but uh, it, nothing horrible. But not really didn't really stick out to me. What do you think? Uh, for a while, this was my favorite track off the album. I knew it. I knew no, it. No, it's not. Not no more. <laughs> it's not no more. And I do, do understand what you mean about the chorus because it's very unorthodox. Like beat right. yourself blind, beat yourself blind. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of unorthodox, but I just I don't know. I, I like it. I like it a lot. One of my favorites off the album. It was my favorite when it first came out, but now I'm torn between two other songs. Is my favorite, and um, but beat yourself blind. Yeah, uh, I had a, I made a video for this. I put it up on YouTube, and a lot of people uh, I, I guess don't know this because I haven't announced this yet on podcast. But that channel is now gone. And it was like, I don't know, like a hundred homemade videos I put on there. Oh, man. Yeah, they took it down. Some oh. asshole, like, or some band or whatever, uh, took down the video. But, uh, you know, hey, if anybody wants to see those videos, you know, uh, I have compilations on DVD. Maybe, you know, you throw me a couple bucks and uh, I won't charge you that much if you want to see how, how, how incredible I am at making videos. Anyways. You, you know- you know, we, we do we do have a, a listener, you know, and, and a big fan of the show, Justin Childers, who did actually beat himself blind. Yes, that's right. Uh, yes, that's Adrian that. Adrian Smith picture. Exactly. He can't stop touching himself. That's and right. He no longer has sight. And you see, this is another thing I love about Skid Row. Like, the lyrics are so... I, I think Rachel's extremely underrated. I mean, it, it, it's weird lyrics. Like, like a piece of paper... Uh, doesn't know where it lands. It's like I, I, I know I'm I'm missing out words, but look at the suit in suspended animation. Uh, the, I, I can't remember. I just remember like Rachel Bolin writes a lot of colorful 
type lyrics where kind of like Ronnie James Dio, it doesn't make sense, but you can in your head, you know, make out what what he's trying to say. I just love what he does, and it's really, really uh, prevalent on Beat Yourself Blind. Those lyrics are my favorite part of the song, actually, even though it's so fucking heavy. And you can tell Rachel Bowen was really into the song. And I might I add, he made hate this album, but when I saw Skid Row open for Kiss on the Farewell Tour... Yeah, I saw that. They didn't play nothing from Subhuman Race, but that night they played a show at this place called The Culture Room where they headlined so after the Kiss show, you know, they even announced it. Hey, after Kiss, go to the culture and we're playing a set there. We're going to do a headline show. When I went, they did play Beat Yourself Blind. They also played Medicine Jar. And I know they did, I think it was My Enemy or Fire Sign, one of those two. They also, they played two or three tracks from this album. Medicine Jar was like, wow, really, that one? Which was, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't think that was would be one that they would pick off this album if they're only going to pick three songs. I would expect it, you know, maybe Eileen or something. But anyway, um, yes, I love Beat Yourself Line. I believe, I'll go into the next one. I believe the next one's Remain to be Seen. No, the next one is Eileen. All right, Eileen, okay. Eileen, by far the best fucking Skid Row ballady song I've ever heard. I love the fuck. It's so such a creepy song. And this one, again, lyric-wise, but this these lyrics kind of make a little more sense, even though they're bizarre. Like she, she, she's mo- uh, something about she talks to, uh, she talks to the streetlights and you know, it, 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 I picture like a crazy bag lady, you know, and then it's like the, the, the words you speak are scaring me with that creepy type music. And then it goes into this really incredibly heavy riff and then almost an Alice in Chains type melody where he's like I know what she knows and then it goes it goes into like a heavier thing where Sebastian is just screaming I know what she knows over and over again what an amazing song this is tied for my favorite song off the album and it's also by far like the mellow songs out of all Skid Row mellow songs this is my favorite one even though it's mellow but it's fucking creepy it's like a haunting tune, you know? What do you think of Eileen? Uh, I think finally, my drunken wisdom is beating through your fucking sobriety. Because this is the best song on the Hell fucking yeah. album. There you go. Oh my god. I, I, I honestly think, uh, I think this is my favorite Skid Row song of all time. There you I, go. I, 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 I really do. You know what? This, I would t- I would too. I would put a tie for my favorite. Oh uh, man, I, this song goes all over the place. Musically, lyrically, I, I, I mean, I, I think this song is a work of art. Yeah. I, I really do. It's a masterpiece. Really it's a musical uh, masterpiece, no doubt. It, it, it really is, and this is one. Uh, another one, like, man, did they drop the ball? Because I think if they would have released this as a single, this, this could have reached through at a time when you know the charts were ruled by you know Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots, and Pearl Jam. Not that it sounds like that, but I mean, it's that adventurous and that different and yeah. just a, a great fucking song. Uh, yeah, but Ian, I, Ian, I agree with you that if it would be a hit with, along with those songs, but it, it didn't stand a chance because it was a Skid Row song. Right, right, right. No, no, it, it, it's one of those, you know, because of the, you know, because of the name, uh, it would have been a hard sell, but man, I just, I really believe in this song and 
it's it's inc- this is the one like you know I mentioned before I, I I didn't listen to them all the way through but I threw it on an iPod but my iPod had like thousands of songs on it but man when this one came on I would always hit repeat uh, incredible even even today you know when I listen to them like three times in a row I still listen to this song like six times yeah because <laughs> I just uh, this is my, one that if if a DJ would say I'm gonna play this song call and tell me what you think I'm not gonna tell you who it is. It would have got a lot of positive feedback. And and, and I, I'll tell you what, uh, this, this is something, uh, you, know, you know, now that our show's expanded into a two-hour format, we play, you know, music and everything, I think when we get to the music part of this episode, this should be the first track. Okay, just remind Cause I could, me. Yeah, because I, I think people who, you know, you don't know this album, or you're like, ah, fuck Skid Row, you know, and we're lucky you're even checking out this episode. You need to hear this fucking song. Yeah. I mean, really, I, st- I stand behind it. I think it's it's absolutely fucking incredible. I agree. Uh, I agree with you 110%, man. So there's not much more I can say. It's the greatest song they ever did. But I will go into the next one, which is Remains to be Seen. And this is just another solid rocker. That uh, the, the only downside I can say is it comes after Eileen. So it's like anything is going to be like a, a, a letdown because that song is, you know, like Stairway to Heaven kind of shit, you know. Um, but, it, man, it's, it's a solid fucking tune. Nothing bad I can say about it. Uh, I'm kind of on the verge of killer filler, but I don't want to I don't want to say filler, you know, like bad word. I mean, it's, just, it's a good rocking tune. Uh, it's, unfortunately, it just comes after Eileen, but... Uh, Remains to be seen. Great fucking song. What do you think, Ralph? This is the one that I say is tied for my favorite Skid Row song. No shit. Yes, this no and shit. Eileen. It's like a one-two punch. I love the fuck out of this song. And unfortunately, you know, I have a pro shot of this tour in Cam- Cambodia, I think. Some really weird country. No and shit. I, and I also have a pro shot of Japan. And they play basically this whole album except for Remains to be seen. But... Man, the lyrics are my favorite lyrics. Are uh, I forgot how he said? He said something like, uh, "Lightning, fantastic! Trip the light, fantastic! Captain, uh, fantastic! The 1970s. It's just so killing. Dive head on into me. Again, lyrics, man, and it's just the vibe of the song. And so, it does have that slave to the grind ish groove." Where it kind of reminds you, this is the first time in the album, it reminds you of a little bit of the Skid Row path. Because this album is very different than Slave to the Grind. But, yeah, Remain to the Scene is just, to me, jaw-dropping. Uh, second, uh, my favorite Skid Row song, along with Eileen. Yes. Uh, what, what, what do we go into next? Next, I'll take this one. We go into what I think should have been uh, the opener to the album and that is the title cut Subhuman Race uh, man I dig this it's uh, you know total Rachel, you know it's no secret uh, Rachel's like a you know big punk guy uh, and this definitely shows that punk side it's the shortest song on the album and it just comes out and fucking smacks you upside the, you know grabs you by the shirt and smacks you a fucking couple times great great fucking track uh and a great feel to this. Once again, man, can't stress enough. Best production I think Bob Rock ever did. Because he didn't try to polish this. You know, he just left the fucking heaviness and recorded it well. Uh, 
Absolutely love him. Like I said, should in my opinion, should have let off the album. Uh, great fucking little punk number. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, I think Sebastian Bach had something to do with this song. I could be wrong. Uh, I, th- I I thought he did. Now I remember. This is uh, Bonehead is the song that says, uh, "If you're a new guy, let me see a miracle." Because that's how the song ends. And this one song ends with "Subhuman Race." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how yeah, this song fun. ends. Oh, uh, yeah, a- amazing song. Uh, Riot Act Part Two on steroids. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it is. It does have the simple Ramones-ish type riffs, like Riot Act did and like Bonehead did. Uh, yeah, you. It's again kind of like Beat Yourself Blind. That chorus is a little unorthodox. You know, it is a little offbeat, but I like that, man. Because I, you know, I wouldn't like if any band was to do it, but I even like it more that Skid Row did it because Skid Row was a pop band, you know, and then they became like a heavy band. But Slave to the Crime was very perfect. There was no uh, little off-timing shit. Everything was precise and on the pocket. Where this album is a little more looser, and you can see in that chorus. And then you also have to put this into the equation: Bob Rock. Mr. Perfect is right. recording this stuff that's a little off, you know, where it was Bob, Bob Rock, should, you know, you'd figure Bob Rock would say, hey, you know, you're singing that subhuman race a little off time. You should do a little more precise. But he didn't, and it works because this song is not, subhuman race is not supposed to be pretty. So, of course, it's going to be a little unorthodox. So, yes, I think it's an amazing song. And yeah, I guess, Ian, it would be a good opener, but I, I'm still happy with My Enemy being the opener. But I think maybe uh, Subhuman Race should have been tracked too, kind of like how Slave to the Grind was tracked too. On, uh, right. You know, Fire Sign, maybe that's why I never, Fire Sign never grabbed me that much is because it's yeah, so th- early th- in the album. That, that is a weird placement for Fire Sign. Yeah, but I, I, it should have been, been a little yeah. later. Yeah, I do, I do love the song. But next, I believe, is let's see if I remember, because I, I seem to be batting zero on the track listing. Frozen? Is that next? Yes. yes okay, right. Frozen. That's another song they played at the Colts Room that night. I forgot. And when I first saw Sebastian Bach solo, he played Frozen as well. Oh, man. There's two versions. There's a demo version that has Congos that I don't care for. That's on the greatest hits or 40 seasons, whatever it's called. This song is another one of my favorites, probably my second favorite or third. Tied with Beat Yourself Blind. It's so heavy. And uh, I love, man, probably the greatest Sebastian Bach vocal delivery. One of the greatest vocal deliveries I ever heard in my life is that second verse where he says, As I look into the fi-, The way he says fire. Yeah, listen to that again. That Just that one, th- how he says fire in that second verse is so... Oh, god damn, man. I think that's it's just, to me, the pinnacle of fucking Skid Row right there. Of Sebastian Bach's, like, vocal history. That one fucking word, fire. It just, he really nails it, man. It's just, oh, I love Frozen. And again, a little unorthodox. Can it be I'm Frozen? How he repeats that. It's an unorthodox song, but I love this song. It's uh, one of my favorites. Okay. All right. So, All right. Wh- what do you what do you feel about uh, the song "Frozen"? Ian? All right. This is where we jump out of the love boat and into the fucking lifeboat. Because I totally disagree with you on this one. But you know, keep in mind, I'm still new to this, and 
you know, not always what's your favorite in the beginning, what you don't like, you know, a lot of that shit will change. But, but uh, you know, my notes for this, I put filler, not bad, but not memorable. It just didn't, it's not a horrible song, it just didn't stick out to me. I think, I think what you need to do is, I know, like you said, it is very new to you. Next time you listen to Frozen, just concentrate on that singing, man, because I think that's what sells the song. I mean, the music's awesome, too. What will do? It, it, the music, I think, is awesome on it, too, but that singing is just, like, to me, like, Sebastian Bach at his finest. Amazing. All right, what, what's the song after that? All right, uh, after that, we go into what, in my notes, was the first single off the album. Which is into another. Uh, this was another one, not bad, but I, I, I think a horrible choice for a first single. Uh, but I did love the guitar solo. Uh, but man, as as far as you know, songs off this album, I think it's a horrible, horrible choice to represent the album, and especially to be the first single when you're trying to push this band, uh, you know, in in an era that they're not the flavor of the month anymore <laughs> I mean I don't I, I really think this is the worst possible single they could have released uh, but it's, it's still it's not bad I like the whole album but uh, a horrible choice to try to sell this what do you think I completely agree with you I love the song there's nothing wrong with the song the song's fucking awesome but it, it's not the song to represent this album and now it's like you're, you're making me think wait a second my Enemy was the third single, so that must mean Breaking Down was the second single from the album? Yes. That's, yeah. that, yes. that's a real, real... They really dropped the ball on that because those two songs should not be representing this album. But uh, both incredible songs. And, and Into the Other, yeah, they made a video for it. Kind of an odd video, but, but it's very dark and very 90s. You know, kind of like... It, it's not like Teen Spirit, but it's it, it has the same darkness to it of the Teen Spirit video. Um, yeah, it, it was just what was going on at the moment. But the song is more like a Skid Row. More like, um, you know, uh, again, it's one of their mellower tunes. But it's a beautiful song, and I do like the song a lot. It, to me, it's, uh, it's uh, makes it even weirder because I look at this track as like a real killer album track, not a single. It's like a cool deep track off an album but somebody at Atlantic Records or I think they were on Atlantic said let's release this as the first single that's insane no wonder this album flopped you know I mean it was bad enough that at the time at the time they didn't stand a chance you're gonna throw this out as a single people will be like oh god they're like you know they'll they'll listen to that and think of I Remember You even though it's nothing like it but it is it is mellow right so yeah, that's the kiss of death Could, right there. That's couldn't insane. have been a worse choice. Yeah, yeah, it's really bad. So what, what what goes after that? All right, after that we go into face against my soul. Um, now this is another one. Uh, man, it just sucks because it comes after another one that I'm like, eh. Uh, you know, I, I don't have much to say. Like I said, I'm still new. Not bad, but it sounded like filler to me. Uh, I love this one. This one, I love that the way it starts with the, again, a little unorthodox drum beat, but it's so heavy. It's got like this really heavy fucking groove. And yeah, it's like, press your face against my soul. I love those lyrics, man. God damn, I love this song, dude. 
you don't own, you don't own the CD, do you, uh, Ian? Do you own the actual packaging of this? I, I don't have a physical copy. No. Well, you know what's cool about the CD? It comes in a digipack, and if you hold it and you shake it, it, it looks like the Skid Row. It's like it, like the music, man. The, the whole album cover jitters. Like it, it, it's kind of like an optical illusion. If you if you uh, jitter the the it's a jewel case. I don't know if you can still. I don't even. I don't even think that it's still in print. I know for a fact. Uh, Slave to the Grind's not in print anymore. And that was a number what? one. Yeah, and that was a number one album. And that shit's not in print anymore. So I really. Wow. Yeah, and I really doubt. Uh, you know, Subhuman Race will still be in print. But when it did come out, it came out in Digipack, which. Just to get off talking for, for a second, I love the way Digipack looks, but I just hate Digipacks because if the teeth break, you're fucked. Yeah. You know, where are you going to put the CD? Because the, 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 the teeth are attached to the CD. You can't. Not like a jewel case where you can just replace it with another one. You can't do right. that with a Digipack. So, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. My Digipacks, I take extra care of, man. I'm like, oh boy, put it right back, you know? So, if I own a Digipack, I usually. Like, like put it like now. I put it in my iPod, and I, I don't listen to CDs anymore. All my CDs are in my iPod. Anyway, I love this song. It's a, 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 like the song before it. I feel like it matches the greatness of an album deep track, not a single. You know, uh, Ian. The rest of this album, man, I can't. I only remember what the last song was. So you just, <laughs> you just go into the next track. All right, I'll go to the next track, which I was turned on to by Mr. Edward Trunk, and that is Medicine Dog. Yeah. And uh, he, he was doing a show, and I think it was like Deep Cuts, you know. you know. Uh, he's a big proponent of this album. He loves it. I think it's his favorite Skid Row album, too. Oh, Even so that go. when he had, uh, yeah, I believe he had uh, Snake on uh, that metal show, and he, he kept going on and on about this album. And for good, I mean, it's a it's a great album, and this was a great track. When I when I heard it on on his radio show, I was like, "Damn, that's a good rocker!" You know, made me think, "Hey, I need to check this shit out." Um, not much more I can say. It's damn solid song. What do you think? Well, there you Ralph? go. There's somebody else that thinks like us, man. I, I thought we were lonely too. Yeah. Hey, you know, Eddie Trunk actually <laughs> it's his favorite Skid Row. Interesting. I, I wouldn't have pictured him saying that. That's kind of shocking. Man. Yeah. I would have thought Slaves of the Brian when it came to Eddie Trunk. Either way, uh, Madison Jar, great song. I'll be honest with you. It, it was always like a song on the album that it was like, hey, it's a good song, whatever. I, you know, I could take it or leave it. Until I saw him with Johnny Solinger, the new singer, when they played it at the Culture Room live. And I was like, damn, you know, that... I thought, wow, they do it better with Johnny Solinger. I think it's fucking solid, more solid. But then when I listened to the album again, I kind of got it that time. I was like, nah, this version's even better than what I just saw. Fucking awesome song. It's a great song. Uh, that's why I was kind of shocked when they played in the culture room, because I felt like it was just like, hey, look, we need a song that's filling the album. But listen to it now. It's a solid song that should still be in the set list, if you ask me. All right, so uh, what's the next song, Ian? All right, the next song is Breaking Down. And uh, this was the second single off the album. Uh, it went to number 48 in the UK, which was the best this fucking album did. Uh, not a bad song, but uh, to me it sticks out like a sore thumb because it's so different from the rest of the album. 
And, uh, you know, sometimes with ba- I, w- I miss when a ballad really meant something. Like, you know, especially for a hard rock band, a ballad came out of, uh, you know, like you had to get that shit out. It was something special. Uh, you know, but then it became formula to where everybody had to have a uh, ballad. You know, in Aerosmith's case, they had to have three ballads on fucking every album. Um, not not bad, you know. I, I definitely like it better than uh, 18 in Life, or I Remember You. I think it's a better song than that. But it does stick out like a sore thumb, but it is a good song. It just, on this album, I, I, I think they could have left it off and just did a whole album without fucking ballads. Uh, but it is good. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, this album was also featured in a movie uh, with Christopher Walken. I think it was Prophecy or something like that. Do you remember a movie with Christopher Walken at the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think yeah, it was called well, Prophecy. It had, he, I, I believe Christopher Walken played the devil. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's from that movie, and that I think that helped finance this video and stuff. There is a video for it, which I love the video. They're all in suits walking in a graveyard. It's cool as fuck. I just love it. I love this song a lot. One thing I will say about it, and I don't know, and now that I'll mention it to you, you will notice. There's a heavy, heavy ripoff on this song. With a gu- guitar sound-wise, too. Do you know? No. Listen, what? Li- listen to it. Tangerine from Led Zeppelin. That little uh, twangy, think, that little twangy it, guitar. Yeah. It, it's it re- still new to me, so I'll have to check it out again. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of of Led Zeppelin's Tangerine as far as the the guitar sound the little twangy guitar that goes on but it's a beautiful song again great melody great vocals from Sebastian great performance from the band you know and I gotta say like the most underrated guy was that drummer what was his name again oh I forgot Rob Afuso Rob Afuso is an amazing drummer man and uh yeah you know and he yeah why 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 they kicked him out, I have no idea. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, you know, he good. he plays in like a swing band now, or something like that. Really? And and he I, really I, like like that like they have sex with other bands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they say exactly. Oh no, and he's also I believe he he makes a lot of money with real estate. He's a real estate guy now too. Uh, he's oh, living good for he, him. Yeah, he's living good. He's making more than Skid Row is these days, but but bowling alleys don't pay much. Anyway, so but um. Uh, what do you call? Uh, I mean, yeah, dude. Wait, uh, miles away from eighteen and life. I remember you. You know, I I only say you know the only ballad that's better than this is Eileen, which is not technically a ballad, but this is. I don't. I wouldn't say it's a love song. I I don't really know what breaking down means. I guess it means you know a breakup. I don't know, but it's a beautiful song. I love. I love it. It's uh. I give it a solid 10, man. One of my favorite, again, one of my favorite songs on this album. Yeah, it does kind of stick out like a sore thumb, but you know what? This album has a couple, th- more than one or two sore thumbs, you know, with some of the choruses on Beat Yourself Blind and, you know, the unorthodox of, uh, you know, Fire Sign and Subhuman Race. So I guess uh, that's what's, uh, this is an album that has a lot of sore thumbs, but yet it works for me, man. Uh, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just laughing because no, you're right. It does have this, this album does have a thumbs, just like Justin Childer's mom. <laughs> There's a little extra <laughs> thumb there. Oh man! But uh, she raised the, the next homo. song. <laughs> ah, what a homo, though. I love that kid. Yeah. Uh, the next song, Iron Will. Great groove on this song. Last song. I, 
Yeah, and I dig the fucking bass on this. Ray, I, I mean, uh, listening to him, man, his bass really stuck out like one of Justin uh, Childer's mom's extra thumbs. Uh, <laughs> just fucking nice fucking groove. Uh, and, and a great way to end the album. There is a hidden track after this, which uh, I don't get at all. I was kind of excited, you know, because I was, I was looking at it, you know, I got it on my iTunes. Then the song listed as seven minutes. I was like, holy, you know, it was almost eight minutes. I was like, oh, is this some kind of fucking epic fucking track? Uh, no, it's just a good song. And then there's a lot of fucking dead space. That was a big thing in the fucking 90s was the hidden track, yeah. you know, on, 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 on the last album, on, on the last song. Uh, and then it comes in and it just sounds real distorted, echoey. Uh, I can't fucking make it out. I could tell you what it is, Ian. Okay, you, you, all right. When you're reviewing it, you fucking tell me. Because I have no idea, and it just seemed kind of pointless. But the song itself, Iron Will, great fucking song. Awesome way to fucking end the album. Uh, man, this is just a really solid rocker, and I'm really, really, you know, a lot of people, you know, from Eddie Trunk to all kinds of people have, you know, praised this album. But it was really you insisting me that we have to review this album that got me uh, to really, really give it a day in court. And uh, man, thank you because this this is going to stay in rotation now. So thank you very much. Awesome. Dude. And I, I hope I, I hope the listeners check this out too. I I hope there's some people that maybe like are just like super fans of the show that maybe like normally they would skip this episode, but they're like, hey. These motherfuckers are great every fucking show, so I'm going to listen anyway. If you're not a Skid Row fan, check this shit out. And and go buy it, even, even if you can't get, you know, buy it. Fucking use my Amazon link, motherfucker. <laughs> but uh, what, what do you think of Iron Will there, Doctor? Oh, Iron Will, yeah, again, great fucking song. Uh, didn't really stick out when I was, you know... See, here's the thing. When I first bought this album, I used to listen to it a lot, along with uh, the the album prior. You know, I think '95 this was my favorite album. I think I, I did, I did say Subhuman Rates was the best album '95 when it came out. Maybe there is another album I like more now that came out that year, but uh, but like the prior year, the Motley Crue '94. I mean, I listened to that, and I was not. Again, like Motley Crue is like, yeah, I like the early Motley Crue, but I, you know, after that, you know, that song here and there I like, but man, that album blew my mind. And same thing with uh, Subhuman Race, it just blew my fucking mind. And um, Iron Will ended the album. I liked it, but I wasn't like, you know, oh, this is a standout track. Another deep album track where I would put it down there with Fire Sign as, uh, you know, again, you know, not to say nothing bad, but I just liked all the other songs. More the only song I like less than this one would be Fire Sign, so I'd put it down there. But great song nonetheless. But uh, what you were talking about that bonus track, which is just bongos and stuff, it was pointless. What that is actually is a remix and mixy version of Fro- the Frozen demo, because that's how the Frozen demo started with Congos and it's just a weird. You, you And people out there, I already mentioned, if you want to hear the Frozen demo, it's on their 40 Seasons, I think it's called, Greatest Hits? Whatever. Uh, yeah. Oh, and one thing, I uh, hate to cut you off, but uh, 
when I was doing research for this, they said all of the songs that are on 40 Seasons from this album were remixed right. in order to, to make them sound like the rest of uh, of Skid Row's shit, which I think is a horrible... I mean, I haven't heard them, but just using that kind of logic to me is, is horrible because I think this is the best sounding by far. No disrespect to Michael Wagner, but uh, I think this is the best sounding Skid Row I've ever heard. Yeah, I can't. I can't tell you know. Tell you the truth, I never. I I, I don't listen to that great. Says I own it, and you know all I know from it is is a really cool tune called "Forever" that was left off the first album. There's another song called "Fire in the Hole" that was left off "Slave to the Grind," and uh, then the yeah, there's remixes of uh, "My Enemy." I think "Fire." So I'm not sure. I think there's a live uh, live version of Beat Yourself Blind on there. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, so yeah, if you've never heard that, once again, go on our Amazon link and buy it. Yeah, I, that one's still available. I've seen, I even see that in stores, that 40 Seasons yeah. one. Uh, right. But, yeah, well, that brings an end to our, sh- our review this week. Uh, in hindsight, looking back, criminally underrated album that is not really loved by the former members and the current members of Skid Row. I remember Sebastian Bach made a little remark on it on that show he had called Forever Wild. Uh, they were He was hanging out with Ted Nugent in a barn and there was horse shit there and he goes, oh, that reminds me of the last Skid Row album I did. So I was like, oh, fuck you. It's better than, you know, and I'm a fan of Angel Down, but no, no, it's way better than Angel Down. Sorry. And I think Angel Down is Sebastian Bach's finest solo album. The other two are kind of forgettable, if you ask me. But that's just me. But, uh... Okay, so yeah, that's pretty much what I have to say. Underrated, and yeah, I'm pretty shocked that Eddie Trunk uh, loves it, and even more shocked that Rachel Bolin hates it. Uh, you have any final words on Subhuman Race? Yeah, uh, this came out on March 28, 1995. Which means it didn't have a snowball's chance in hell. Uh, they also, right after this, they released a Japanese-only EP, uh, which was Subhuman Race Live. I think there was like five or six cuts, but the only song off this album was Beat Yourself Blind, and it's probably the same one that's on 40 Seasons. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they opened up for Van Hagar tour. Uh, that was their big tour for this album. Uh, and 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 they imploded after that, and it, it's sad, you know. You know, we both saw Skid Row with Jolly Jolly <laughs> Johnny Solinger, whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, and all I can say is, either Sebastian Bach is the biggest fucking douche on the fucking planet, or Rachel Bolin is just that stubborn of a fucking prick. And I think it's a little bit of both because this band needs to get back together. With without, I'm sorry, Johnny Salinger might be the nicest guy in the fucking world, but he is not Sebastian Bach. Well, and uh, Sebastian Bach does want in. He's that, he's made that public. He wants. Oh to, yeah. He wants to rejoin, but they, you know, Rachel Bowen's the one. So so he says. But then when Snake is interviewed, he he says he says you know. Uh, Snake is like the most diplomatic guy when he gets interviewed. And the way he talks good about Sebastian, but he, you know, he says it in the nicest way that, you know, they're happy the, how they are, you know. 
you know, and, and I, I don't believe that for a fucking minute. I, I honestly, you know, and, and, and I could be wrong. I don't know these people. But I really think it all comes down to Rachel, which this is Rachel's band. Rachel does the writing. Rachel is, you know, the head motherfucker in charge here. But, man, I don't know if fucking Sebastian fucking fucked his old lady or what the fuck happened. But, man, yeah. this this motherfucker hates him some Sebastian Bach. Oh, well, Sebastian tells the story how, how he was fired. Have you heard this one? I may or may not know. Okay, it's it was a phone conversation he had with Rachel that got him fired. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, uh, Doc McGee offered Skid Row an opening slot on the Kiss reunion. And... Rachel didn't want to do it because Rachel was busy doing his Pernello scales and uh, yeah. uh, you know side stuff. He he didn't want to do no Skid Row stuff. I guess he wasn't into Skid Row anymore. And, Basically, I think he just wanted to be away from Sebastian. Yeah, <laughs> and Sebastian called him up and literally said to him, "I am going to kick your ass next time I see you." And when he said that to Rachel, boom, they kicked him out of the band, and then they broke up and they formed a band called Ozone Monday which I never heard anything of, but I understand some of those songs uh, from Ozone Monday ended up on Six Skin. But that's why he got kicked out of band from a conversation where he threatened to kick... And that's a story from Sebastian Bach. So I think that would be true because it doesn't really paint Sebastian Bach in such a pretty picture. You know? Right. And, and you, you know, I mean, everybody's seen interviews and TV shit with Sebastian Bach. He definitely seems like a crazy motherfucker, but there's no denying... Uh, his talent. No, he's I great. Mean, he's an, he's awesome. He's he's an incredible singer. I think his voice still sounds amazing. Uh, and and it, it's a damn shame. And but there's something there because they've got some incredible fucking offers to reform. And Rachel Bowen just will not fucking do it. Yeah, you know? yeah, and and so. yeah, and and they play little, you know, phone booths. And yeah, they, and they won't budge. They won't and, and that's that, that, that's the funny thing. Like uh, you know, we were talking about like because Sebastian is such a huge Kiss fan. He's a huge Kiss fan, and he wanted to do that reunion tour. And Rachel said no. But then uh, I, I think I, I misquoted it. We saw them open up for Kiss on the farewell tour. Yeah, it it, was, it wasn't the reunion. It was the farewell when it was. I don't know the, the show I saw in Orlando. It was Skid Row and Ted Nugent. Yeah, on the yeah. farewell. I saw it in one and. And it's one of those things. I mean, I mean, and it was a sold-out show, but uh, you know, there was all of like fucking thirty people there when Skid Row came on, and uh, you, you know, and then twenty-five of them walked away when they figured out Sebastian Bach wasn't singing. Uh, and like I, I said, uh, Johnny Sandra may be the nicest guy, but uh, God damn it, dude, you, you, ain't, you ain't Sebastian Bach. Yeah, you so. know, I think Sandra is not a bad singer at all. It's just those those shoes are too big to be filled. He can't. Yeah. He can't really pull off the old Skid Row songs like Sebastian could. He just can't. But yeah. um, but yeah, yeah, he is a nice guy. I met him. Uh, Rachel was super nice when I met him. They were all really nice. Actually, when I saw Skid Row, uh, uh, Snake was in a cast. <laughs> he had a broken leg, but he still played. And you know what? They were good without Sebastian. But I can't really judge Sebastian because I only saw Sebastian once with Skid Row. And it was what I said earlier, is when Pantera destroyed them. So who knows, you know, I mean But you know what, Ian, let's do let's break the rules a little bit here. I know we're gonna go into pick of the week and then we're gonna do fan of the weekend, but how about before we do that, we play that song Eileen. What do you think? <laughs> 
All right, let's do it right now. Yeah, let's. This is again me and Ian, where we finally agree is the best Skid Row song. Right. Yeah, so you know, end of days are coming. Look out That's for right. locusts. Because we fucking agree 100%. Yeah. This is the best Kid Row song. This song's called Eileen. Check this shit out.
All right, there you go. That was Skid Row with Eileen from the album we just finished uh, talking about, Subhuman Race. And uh, great album. Go check it out, man. Uh, hey, Ian, it's time for Pick of the Week, buddy. So what you got for me this week? All right, my Pick of the Week is very controversial uh, by a band I love, but a lot of fans hate this album and some hail it. I absolutely fucking love it. And that is Art of Rebellion by Suicidal Tendencies. You gotta be fucking kidding me. You like that? I love this album. Uh, it's it's very slick for them. There's a lot of alternative type songs on it. Uh, but I think it's amazing. I saw them on this tour. It was awesome. It was uh, Infectious Grooves opening up and then it was fucking uh, Suicidal Tendencies. I mean, it came after Lights, Camera, Revolution, which was probably their most metal. But uh, I'll never forget the the first time I saw the video for uh, I Wasn't Meant to Feel This Slash Asleep at the Wheel. I was like, holy fuck, that's like almost like Beatles or Floyd, you know. It, but it was heavy and funky and I absolutely love it. Uh, I love every track on this fucking album. But uh, I can tell by, by the way, uh, Rouse reacted. He's one of the people who fucking hate it. But I love it, and if you like Suicidal Tendencies, I suggest you pick up The Art of Rebellion. Yeah, Ralph, what do you think? I, I, well, yeah, I did hate it. I love track one, because he, he says uh, a lot of that spoken word thing that, Can't stop a running! I was crazy. Yeah, or whatever the hell he says. He says... Great song. Yeah, it's a great song, and I also like Captain Stupid. Those two songs. The rest, yeah. the rest was yeah. like, eh, I... I you know what? I'm a big fan of the first album. Always have been, even when it first came out. Oh, I, hell yeah. I saw Suicidal at that time. They played a little club on the Miami Beach. That's how I discovered Suicidal. Uh, on, the, on the first album? On the first tour? On the first album. Wow. And believe it or not, it was Rocky George, even though he didn't play on that album. He played. And, and here's another a little funny fact. Was when they played that club, that club was filmed. They filmed that show, and they used clips of that film on an episode of Miami Vice. True story. I saw that Miami Vice episode. I was in that show. That that portion, I was in that crowd. Anyway, and which was on college. Were you the kid with the Were you the kid with the parachute pants and had the choose life shirt? Was that you? Uh, you, you didn't have a beard back then. No comment. <laughs> no. <laughs> no uh, I can tell you right now, it was on 16th and Collins, uh, which is now a restaurant, but they played some club there that I never saw. I lived I lived on Miami since 1984, okay? A lot of shows have come and gone, but I saw Suicidal there, and that was the only show I think they ever had there, which was great. But you know, I'm a big fan of... I love the first album, and I love Join the Army. Join the Army was a little more metalized, but not that much. Where then the next album, it just went full on thrash. The next two albums, uh, Lights, Camera, Revolution, oh, yeah. and How Will I Laugh Tomorrow yeah. If I Can't Even Laugh Today. Yeah. I thought... I, today. Very weird and different, and it's, it's a completely different band. Even musically, it's different. It's nothing like the first album, which to me, to, to this day, the first album can't be touched. The the remake... Oh, it, it, that, that, that's a punk masterpiece. Yeah, and the remake was just pure blasphemy. That oh yeah. Uh, well, there, there, there was uh, on, on our Facebook page. Yeah, somebody damn, put it up. Somebody put it up. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry I forget your name, but yeah, 
Uh, I remember being so let down. They announced it when I saw him on the Art of Rebellion tour, and it was going to be called Still Suicidal. And fucking Epic made a big deal about it. They didn't want to call it Suicidal. You're still suicidal because they thought that was, uh, it just sounded bad. I'm like, really? The name of the band, Suicidal, for Christ's fucking sake. Yeah, I know, right? But, uh, but, oh, man, it was just way too polished, took all the rawness out. Um, and, and I understand what it was. I, I, there was, like, a battle with the label. Uh, and they weren't getting any royalties from the first album. That's why I did it. It was a cash grab to try to get some royalties. And I kind of see that because, hey, you wrote it. You know, you should get paid for it. I understand that. But the magic was gone. Yeah. You know, because that, that was a genie in a bottle. That first fucking album, and they were just a different band by then. But yeah, uh, and then then they did Suicidal for Life, which to me I thought was a, a step in the right direction, but it just lost a little. Yeah. It was a little too yeah, far. The lyrics, I, I thought he kind of, kind of dumped it down, like every song had a cuss cussing word yeah, in yeah, the title, yeah. and it was trying to prove how hard you were. Yeah, but, but it, it just came off. He he write, he writes some very intelligent lyrics. And to me, it's like he he, he he cut his own. He really dumbed himself down. Yeah. But there are some songs I, I love every suicidal album. I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm a fucking uber fucking fan. But uh, but yeah. So check that out. That's my opinion. Check out Art of the Rebellion. And your pick of the week, I can see right now, is right behind you on That's vinyl. Right. So That's right. That's right. Uh, I need to buy furniture for my vinyl. That's the main thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, my pick. Ian brought it up, and I said, oh, you know, because he saw it behind me, and I said, oh, I'm going to make that my pick of the week. It's not really that talked about uh, from the King Diamond discography. I ha- I recently purchased it on vinyl. Is The Eye. Definitely not my favorite. You know, I love the albums that came before it more, but I think The Eye was criminally overlooked because I don't think it's a bad album. It starts with keyboards, which I guess that turned a lot of people off with the song... Eye of the Witch, but man, Burn is one of the greatest songs ever in the trial. Do me a favor, Ian, when we're done, shit, I'm going to play the trial in our little mix coming up. The trial oh, is, awesome. it's, it's awesome. It's, it's kind of like, it's a dungeon where, you know, they burn witches. It's, it's, it's a concept album, but not like the other concept albums, because I know there's songs on this album that have nothing to do with the concept, but it does have to do with like the witch hunts of whatever century that was, where they used to burn witches at the stake. And right. uh, yeah, and then there's a song on there called Three Little Children" or something like that. That it's just King Diamond singing the keyboard. It's a very odd album, but I think it's a, it's criminally overlooked. I think it's 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 a genius album. But you know, I don't hate any King Diamond album. I think yeah, there's a lot that are way better than the others. And I was kind of I gotta be honest with you, let down with Abigail too because I guess. You know, Abigail is such a great album that to do a sequel to it, it's hard to top that. So it kind of like takes away from it. But The Eye is an incredible album. And I also want to throw in Spider's Lullaby. The one that came after that that was even more overlooked was fucking Yeah, awesome. you're right about that. That was an awesome album as well. But yeah, The Eye. What do you think of The Eye? Oh, have you heard The Eye? I don't think you have. That's- I, I, I have it, but I haven't heard it. But yeah, I'm excited to hear. I'm excited to hear the cut uh, when we add it to the show. Yeah, but yeah. I tell you what, I'm, I'm I'm so excited. Let me get through the shit I gotta do on every episode real quick, and let's get into some goddamn music. Yeah, let's get into some music. I'm getting excited, but we gotta say, hey, 
Check us out on thatmetalstation.com. We're on Sundays at noon Eastern Time and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Check us out on that thatmetalstation.com. There's a special contest running right now just for listeners of this show. Go on there. You're going to find out all the information about that. But it's a three-CD pack that they're giving away just for listeners of this show. If you're new to this show, you got to check us, you know, join the Facebook page. Uh, go to fucking iTunes and subscribe to us. Please leave us a fucking review. That means everything. We we do have two new reviews on iTunes. I don't know if you read them, Ralph. No, I got to go they're, check that out. Oh, 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 they're pretty funny. One says they think you joined a uh, Genesis fucking cover band. Oh! <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Yikes. But, uh, man, man, yeah, go on iTunes. Please like us and give us a review because that really... Any podcast, you've got to make it on iTunes to get bigger. I don't know why, but that's the way it is. Uh, check us out on podbean.com. If you listen to us on your smartphone, go to Podcast Attic. Uh, it's it's a free app. Type in Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Hit subscribe. You get every episode. And I can't stress, go back. If you're a new listener, or even if you've been around for a while, check out our past episodes. I get all these people talking to me on the Facebook page, which I try to keep up with. They're like, hey, so what happened with you guys and Terrence and all this shit? What you want to know? Go back and listen to the episodes. Even if it's not your favorite band, your favorite album, we do our best to do a quality show every fucking week to make it fun. Whether you like the album or not, we throw in enough jokes about each other's mothers than, you know, dick and fart jokes that you're going to laugh. So check out every fucking episode. Check out the YouTube page, which is awesome. Ralph does, you know... It's the same episode, but behind it, he's got awesome pictures and videos. It's another way to enjoy the show. Uh, there's also links to Thrasher Dying Combat, Ralph's two awesome fucking bands. You know, support those. Jeez, uh, I don't know what else to say, but god damn it, let's get into some fucking music. I'm excited. Right. Why don't we start out with some King Diamond? Okay, uh, I, what's the track you want to play? Well, I, actually, and you know what I want to do? I want to do this thing... Uh, maybe the listeners can help us out what we're going to call it. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit. What? I forgot something. Okay, go I'm ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We'll get back to All you. Right. All right. You know what I totally fucking forgot? What? Was Fan, fan of the Week. Oh, Fan and of the Week. I, and, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I can't forget before Fan you of go, the Week. Before you go into Fan of the Week, we also forgot yeah. something else. Okay. We are on the incredible ThatMetalStation.com. On Sundays at 11.30 a.m., am I right, Ian? Well, uh, 12 noon Eastern time. Okay, 12 noon Eastern time. And then on Thursday at... At 3 p.m. Eastern. At 3 p.m. Eastern time. ThatMetalStation.com. And tune in right now if you're listening to Poppy and play some metal because they got some killer, killer metal they play all the time. So uh, who's the fan of the week this week, uh? Fan of the week, I gotta give it out to Scott Stein. Scott Stein. Scott Stein, he's on the Facebook page every fucking day. Cool fucking dude, man. Always yes, uh always leaving comments there every day, and that's what it's all about. And we have a great community on that page. It it was slow start, but now it's It's out up. of control, but in a good right. way. I know, and as of right now, as recording this, I'm excited because we have 664 members. And I'm waiting to see who's the 666. Yeah, come on, come on. Two more people. 
Yeah, you know, yeah, you know be- what I love about that page is that I strive to be the asshole, the one that everybody needs to hate, and people still like me. I'm not good at that. Oh. Well, 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 no, 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 don't sell yourself short. You are a great asshole. No, no, I, I, I try. A lot of people think you're an asshole. I try, page, I so. try. But then people, <laughs> yeah, but these people think I'm an asshole. Keep writing me, tell me I'm great, and what do I think of this and that. I'm like, dude, yeah, uh, don't you hate me by now? Oh, well, whatever. I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually a nice guy. I'm just very opinionated. Yeah, yeah, opinionated asshole. Yeah, but Scott Stein. Now there's a there's a stand up guy. So Scott Stein, you are the fan of the week. We thank you, brother. We appreciate everything. Yeah, Scott. Checking. Yeah, I thank you, and, Scott. All right, all right. Uh, so now we're ready for some fucking metal. All right, so play yeah, some yeah. King Diamond. What I want to do is like double shot. Uh, I was I wanted to play the trial, but man, there's this other song that's just as good called Burn. So. uh... This is off the eye. This is the double shot off the eye. Starting with burn and going into the trial. Check it out. Let's go. Everybody's there, none of them will care, not a 
All right, there you have it. A double shot from King Diamond. My pick of the week, the eye. That was Burn and the Trial. And now it's time for Ian's double shot. And I'm not talking about those those shot glasses you have there. You you can drink that Hello. later. You know, just uh, pick some music and then you can, you know, take your shots of uh, whatever whiskey you're drinking there, buddy. All right, here's, here's my double shot. And, man, this is something I'm going to call fucking... Uh, the Ayatollah's Cock Rock Corner. I'm going to pick two Cock Rock classics I fucking love. First one is Lynch Mob's Wicked Sensation and Dangerous Toys Scared. Yeah. 
All right, that was that was the Ayatollah's Cock Rock Corner with Lynch's Mobs, fucking Wicked Sensation, and Dangerous Toys Scared. All right, now, Ralph, let's, yeah, let's get away from your gayness, and let's go back to Man <laughs> So, until uh, next week, my friends, we're going to go out with a bang. Here's some Slayer! with the final words alright thank you all for listening make sure you come back next week cause that's gonna be a doozy cause we got 80's action star Dolph Lundgren what from yeah from Rocky 4 and fucking Masters of the Universe he's gonna join us when we talk about Bon Jovi's Keep the Faith oh fuck next you that ain't no no that ain't happening 
next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I quit. All right. Thanks again for listening to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. All copyrights, Ian Wadley, 2014.